I'm Laura Allen, and this is Hello Thoughts. So I was at the gas station yesterday, and as I'm finishing my transaction with the lovely gas attendant, I wish him well. I say, have a nice day. And his response is still with me 24 hours later. He just said, good luck. In in that tone, good luck. Like maybe there was a question mark at the end. Like he wasn't sure for me. I felt like, is this... Is this a sign? Do I have something waiting around the corner for me? What? It, are you warning me of something, sir? Yeah, it just it just felt wrong and weird. Maybe maybe he was just saying it, but it it certainly felt odd, and it, and it's playing out. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. It's interesting uh, how people have these lives, you know. We see on social media, we see bits and pieces of, I guess, what people want to show us. And, and it's so interesting to me that each individual person walks through life and has so many challenges and, and things in, in their way and good moments, bad moments tragedy, success. I mean, it's, it's interesting how much can happen in one person's life, you know? And I guess that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's for me, I, I really enjoy it. I get so much out of people. Um, and we all have these people on, on social media, these acquaintances that, we only know a little bit, but we, we see them. We watch them kind of, I don't know. And, and and you have people that you're like, oh, wow, that's really cool. I'm interested in that person. Like someone I've met like three times. I'm like, wow, she's really cool. And I really don't know them, but they have so much life that's happened to them. And I'm just, maybe I'm nosy. Is, am I nosy? Maybe I'm nosy. I just get a lot out of that and I I my my heart just I I enjoy hearing it and and I have empathy when when people have struggle and it's important to me. So um tonight I had someone on that I I'm always been very intrigued by. Um I think many of us are and I've I've gotten to know him a handful of times I've been around him and uh, I, I was so curious you know I'm like oh I can't wait to hear everything he has to say and uh, it was thoroughly enjoyable Jeff Plate, thank you so much for being on with me I got so much out of our conversation and it was awesome of you to share with me just your chapters in this life um hardship success uh, and 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 I love I love the tone of it all he's so cool and collected and you know even even through the hardship conversations you know um but I value everything that 
he mentions that he's gone through and different loss and and just hardship and also the success you know he he jumped over all of that and has a beautiful successful awesome place to call his own um Asbury Park Brewery which we're all so (laughs) in love with right I mean really great beer I mean come on and uh, a beautiful wife and and turns out towards the end of the very end of the conversation which I did cut him off in the beginning I'm realizing you know I was like wait like I'm so excited to talk about all that but I do want to hear about you first and foremost and then like let's celebrate all the rest and bam at the end his wife in the hospital ready to potentially have the baby and he's on the podcast with me (laughs) I'm like oh my god we could have done this another night but he came on with me I think he had some laundry to do some other things to do in the midst of all of it so I'm I'm happy he had to do that while I was taking up his time. But sure enough, they had their baby boy, which I just saw not too long ago. I'm so excited for them. And I wish them, a, a mom, a fast recovery and just so much love and everything going towards them. Love, health, happiness. Um, this is your new next chapter that you're you're gonna ace so congratulations to them and uh enjoy jeff plate i can't wait till chapter two all right can you hear me i can hear you oh great wow we did it (laughs) hold on well i didn't do it that is a collector's item that hat (laughs) <laughs> I want, hold on, I want to move this over a little bit so I don't have the thermostat in there, but I do want my Christmas tree. And it, it's it's such a glorious view right now. I'm I'm equally excited as I am intrigued. Jeff Plate, thank you so much for coming on and talking with oh, me. We're tonight. already going. We're already in. We're okay. we're gonna do it. We're gonna do the damn to thing. Myself, but all right, fair enough. Hold on, let me put a gold <laughs> chain on. Usually during interviews, I like to have a gold chain. Oh, Uh, why? What is it about the gold chain? It's it's just like a sign of uh, wealth and prosperity. Okay. Okay. You can fake with very little money, so you just throw a gold chain on, and uh, and then you. It might. It might. It's. It's just painted. You painted it tonight. Yeah. A little little gold very glare. Well, so you put a gold chain on and then tuck it in. You don't even know it's there. Uh, oh, just so if you are. get if you get the neck view, right? You know, if someone behind you, you know, you're you're in line waiting. Someone's to gonna this. sneak a peek and be like, "Whoa, whoa, wow. that guy, that guy That's, right there." I, you know, okay. I never yeah. thought like that. I'm gonna have to get myself something. That's all I think about all day. <laughs> That's how I can be perceived as. Oh, <laughs> I am. That makes me. That makes me uber excited to get into the world of Jeff Plate. Okay. Really. All right. Let's dig in. Let's do it. Um. So yeah, let's. I mean, this year has been goddamn crazy. But let's go. What do you to, mean? <laughs> right. What <laughs> What do I mean? Um. Yeah. So. 
but back to what happens all at the beginning for you. Where did you grow up? Uh, so I grew up in New Jersey. I went to high, I went to high school in Ocean Township. Okay. Um, I lived in Wanamassa when I went to high school, and um, I were was, you born in like Wanamassa? That kind of. I was of born in Freehold. Area? Oh, okay. So I was born in Freehold. Uh, how, um, I'm a Howell girl, so. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. How girls are great. Slightly, slightly. Yeah. I mean, it, it, who knows better how to raise a ferret than a howl girl? I don't know. Um, I, well, I so would I, be frightened um, of that, but. <laughs> no, I do have a thing, though. Uh, when I was in high, like middle school, high school, like we always used to go out to howl and like smoke weed at some weird like condo. It was like, oh, my cousin lives out there. We're going to like buy some weed, but you got to hang out for a little bit. And like, for some reason, there was always a ferret running around. <laughs> and so in my mind now, I always associate Howell as had like, oh yeah, ferret like, nation. A condo there, and then there's like a <laughs> ferret. It's like, oh, sick. And you gotta like hold it. And you're like, oh, I don't really like ferrets. So, so you did oh, hold it. No, yeah, I held it. I, I never held, held it one. I was like, just please sell me the weed and let me get the fuck out of here. So, yeah, I'll hold your Why fire. Why is it that the weed man always wants to chill, though? Yeah, it's true. You know? Yeah, What's helped. up with that? It's like, come out to my grandma's place, <laughs> hold my ferret, and then I'll sell you weed and you can go home. So, That's the ferret, I just need quick, quick information about the ferret. Does it feel like it is boneless? Like, I just feel like there's no bones about it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, the ferrets are just like really soft. Just you can't really remember. You were too high. <laughs> no, I remember being very uncomfortable holding the fucking ferret. It felt like a rat in my hand, which just like, yeah. it was like a, fl- a long like a, rat, a rat that had like conditioner applied to it. <laughs> and it was like, oh, this is, it's like, it feels nice, but it's definitely feels like a rat. Ooh. Um, so yeah, in terms of bones and stuff, no, I felt them. Okay, because I just felt like that midsection just has no no bones. They're well, there. They're there. I you just no remember the silky. The motherfucker, so <laughs> there you go. And that silky hair of his. Yes. So, so you you were born in the Freehold area. So, did you stay there until high school, or? All right. So, I was born in Freehold. Um, I lived in Freehold until I was like two or something. Okay. I moved to Rumson with my family, and I oh Oh. until I was eight. Okay. And then um, my parents got divorced. I moved to Florida with my mother. When I was nine, my Big mother had two sisters, and I lived there until I was 12. And then when I was 13, I moved back in with my dad. It was just me and my dad. And uh, okay. we lived in Oceanport for a year. Then we lived in Seabright for a year. And then we moved to Wanamassa, and that's where I stayed and went to high school. And that's kind of like so where two, I, where you I have feel two, like I'm from. Two sisters, you said? I have two, two, older two sisters. sisters. Uh, two older sisters. Where do you kind of fall on that? How how many years apart are you guys? Um, so my oldest sister is six years older than me. My middle sister is four years older than me. And did they stay out in Florida? Um, we were kind of like all over the place. Pretty yeah. wild. We were like, 
me and both of my sisters were very wild kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't we wait to hear. Wallace, like the family unit kind of like. Yeah. And we are like really close now. Mm-hmm. And we were close back then too, but everyone was like kind of everywhere. So it, uh, um, like very quickly when I was younger, there was no like oversight or anything like that or for my sisters either. So we were all kind of like, Hey, like we're either gonna like start a charity or we're (laughs) going to start robbing banks. It's like one or the other. Um, yeah. So yeah, like some of us turned out really good. Some of us turned out really bad. Some of us were like pretty bad kids and then came out. Okay. Came out. Okay. I mean, that's, it takes a lot of work to come out. Okay. Yeah. Or to even like acknowledge that you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> of, like, yeah. Okay? Yeah. I'm okay. Yeah. I'm all right. Yeah. yeah. And then sometimes that kind of slips and then we, find ourselves trying to be okay again. Yeah. I mean, I think like the big thing is to acknowledge that no one really is like, okay. In the sense that you Mm -hmm. perceive it, like there's like a, uh, like you have like a paradigm of what you think an accomplished adult is. And the reality is like, no one's really there. Like no one really actually gets there and is like, well, I did it. I'm quite responsible and financially secure and everything is totally fine. All the pieces are just put together now. In looking at other people, like we all kind of have this sense that everyone has their shit together and we're the only ones that are like a total fucking mess. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's not really the case. Everyone is figuring out. Our parents were figuring out. Yeah. Yeah, my mom knew I had a mom the second that I came out, but there's no fucking way. Like she was probably like, I don't know what to do with this guy. Right. What Uh, the hell do I do? And and that's it's a funny thing being a parent because you have like you said, like your mom is just figuring it out. We're all just figuring out. We have our own shit and then we have children and we're figuring it out while we have children. It's hard. Right. Hard. And you realize it, it, that your parents were humans. Yes. And then you do. as an adult, you like find a way to give them a break for yes. the, <laughs> the list of things inflicted upon you. Right. The trauma that all parents inflict upon all children. Right. right? Like, so but you, that understanding also helps us kind of release some of that um, maybe anger or, you know, the things we hang on to. Right. Where it's like, well, is it my fault or is it my parents' fault? And then at mm-hmm. some point you're like, it's not really anybody's fault. It's just right. this is how people like adapt and grow right. up in this universe. In this weird, weird world. Yeah, I could be mad at you forever, but what's the fucking point? Or I could be mad at myself, the same thing. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's we're all just kind of imperfect beings trying to figure it out. A hundred percent agree. So you were, um, so what in Rumson, what was there a school in Rumson or do you go and like, what's the story over there in Rumson? I'm, I'm very unfamiliar. Like the whole like story, right? Sure. Yeah. I want it all. So so I was born and then we moved to Rumson and Mm -hmm. when I was very young, my family had like a ton of money. Like yeah. a huge amount of money. So when so, I was so what, what's the story behind that real quick? Like 
where where is this obscene amount of money coming from? Like, like I don't know generations I saw, I saw and generations, it or was like, well, I like I put on a suit and I went to Wall Street, <laughs> and then the next thing you know, we had all this shit. Like, right. I mean, my sense is <laughs> like from a personal inventory and yeah. also just looking at like history or whatever mm -hmm. it seems like if you were a white dude from long island in 1978 mm -hmm. and you made it to wall street somehow yeah like, well here you go kid here's a job and you're gonna make a gazillion dollars in that's right i understand that that is a very glib interpretation mm -hmm. but <laughs> i do think like, I mean, it's not like they're getting fucking PhDs in economics going down to Wall Street in 1978. No, no. I, I like, had an uncle that I can yeah, very exactly. much like, attest to that. Know from like New Jersey, New York. Yeah. It's like I had an uncle or I had a whatever, blah, blah, blah. He was and, trying. Uh, yeah. he, he never got to that point, but he was trying. Like he was a great drinker and yeah. he ended up becoming a gazillionaire because yeah. he was friends with everybody. Yeah. So I, I don't really know how it happens. I wish I had more information on the inner workings of Wall Street at that time, mm -hmm. but it seems like if you were like a fucking cool mm -hmm. guy, yeah, and, <laughs> you know, like white and, and white, and right? Like we're gonna give you a job and you can work here and yeah, wink wink, we're ripping off the entire world. Yeah, so money is just gonna like go to where you're going. All right, so mm -hmm. I might be going a little deeper than. That. <laughs> but anyway, my dad is a very smart guy. He's, yeah, you know, real savvy. He was a smart dude, mm -hmm. and um, so he made a bunch of money on Wall Street. He invested in a lot of real estate in New Jersey. So when I was younger, we were like, yeah, we moved to Rumson, like not just roof and moved to Rumson, but we moved to like a huge house on the water. Okay. And that was just the two of you or that was no, before no, no. So the split? Me, my mother, and my two sisters. Okay. This was everyone. I mean, I'm fucking six years old at this point. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, like we had like a helicopter, we had a jet, we had like multiple. Whoa. <laughs> like, Whoa. Very, not like, oh yeah, we made a lot of money. Like super fucking Side rich. Side note. Yeah. I just, I, I love that. I didn't know that about you that. That's kind of cool, you know, like I feel like most people with the helicopter may I'm also I until recently I haven't been on social media so much. So maybe I'm missing something, but that's cool. Well, I mean, it's, so, not, so, it's not something that I really like reflect upon or talk about a lot because it ended pretty abruptly, too. So right. like, this is when I was a little kid and I remember it and I remember being like, wow, we like like we had like race horses and shit one of our horses won a race that was like it's like the kentucky derby for trotters like three-year-old trotters or whatever it's called the okay Amazon. they do it in the meadowlands but it's like it's like a big like national race so people with their horses in it right it's just not thoroughbreds like that but we won that one year so like we won that in 1989 i think and the purse was like a million and a half dollars where it was just like Oh, we had like this party because like dad just won a million and a half dollars and we're oh. like, like whatever. Yeah, it's crazy. I, that's I wish that I have more like information memories of the time. Yeah. Like six, seven. So basically by the time I was eight, like the market crashed, whatever mm -hmm. happened with my father and his business and everything, mm -hmm. whatever. So we lost all of our money. My parents got divorced and I moved to Florida with my mom. And wow. one of my sisters, my other sister went to a boarding school, but me and my mom moved to like, 
you know, we went from this like fucking huge mansion in Bronx yeah. to a one bedroom apartment in Punta Gorda, Florida. And, yeah. Like, things happened really quickly. Wow. So we went like from super rich to like, okay. Like, right. I, I right. don't want to make it sound like we were like poor because like, you know, we weren't. You were making it. You we were lived in a small, like me and my sister shared a bedroom and stuff like that, but by mm-hmm. no means were, were we like destitute or whatever. Right. You but, were eating and exactly. you were right. making it. So we went from like, you know, but that's, that, like nevertheless, school. that is like a huge, I mean, I, I'm sure you were, <laughs> had to be witnessing, you know, your mom and your, your family kind of having moments about that. That's like a, that's a big deal. Well, you were making things deal. so like you know. you know like thinking about like the divorce and like the personal aspect where um like in reality my dad wasn't like super in my life when mm-hmm. my parents were married you know because right. he was like i'm working on wall street and it's like i'm going to work on monday and i'll be home on like i don't know february yeah <laughs> like yeah. whatever um, yeah so like when they got divorced, it was like, all right, so my dad is like never around as opposed to like barely around. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know when you're a kid, like it doesn't really like resonate like that. For me, it was like, oh, yeah, we used to have like this big like house to run around in. And now we have a small apartment to run around in. But there's like a parking lot. And like I was like skateboarding and stuff. I was like, oh, yeah, I can like rip ollies and like try to like grind this like curb thing or whatever. So it's that like, makes my heart melt when you think about that, though, how resilient children are. And, and, and you're right. They don't really like you're not absorbing all of that at the time. You're making no. the best of each day. At no point was I like, where is my nanny? <laughs> like, where is my food? Like, where is my line? I want a sandwich with the crust cut off. Like, at no right. point was it ever like that. It was just right. like, OK, we used to live in this place. Yeah, and now we live in this place. But still, it was like, you know, I love my sisters so much. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I love my mother. And it, it was um, it was just like, okay, so here's where we are now. Yeah. Now, I think it's different from my sisters. My oldest sister was... Different age. Yeah, like 14 or something like that. Like, if I was 14, I'd be like, where's the fucking jet? <laughs> Seriously. And then even, yeah. even older, like, looking back on it, I'm like... How, what, like how did yeah. the money leave? Like why? Right, right. so much shit. And now yeah. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> but whatever. So yeah, when I was little, I had a lot of money. Lost all the money. I moved to Florida with my mom. I lived there for a little while. My mom got remarried to a guy who was like a shithead. And I left. And then I ended up moving back in with my dad. So at that point, it was me and my dad. Right. Where yeah. you're, so your one sister was in boarding school? Yeah. I at mean, the she, time. She, was, she was in boarding school when we first moved down there, but she came back like a year later. And so. why was he a shithead? Was he like, you, you butt heads or? With my sisters? No. Why was he a shithead? My dad? New guy. Oh, the new guy. New guy. Uh, yeah. 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 He was, he was like abusive. He was, okay. He was, he was like, um, like I'm coming into the house and I'm the man now. So, like, okay. Um, so whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, he was, he was like a bad guy. And, uh, fuck that guy. Yeah. Fuck that guy. That's right. So, yeah. Uh, and I moved back in with my dad. Um, they, did so they was, marry or they were just together? You're, no, they did. They got married they and okay. then they got divorced. Okay. Yeah. So you moved in with your dad. So then I moved in with my dad. 
which was like was your mom kind of like you're not leaving was it like a back and forth or difficult it was was hard i think i think i think i hurt my mother's feelings really badly when i moved Um, yeah but i think that after a couple years living with the guy that she was with she like understood why i left Mm -hmm. so like you know we've i I have a great relationship with my mom we've definitely like reconciled and everything that's Um, wonderful but yeah at the time i think that she was really hurt about it um but in the long term i think she was like oh i understand like yeah yeah um yeah so your dad did he like was he open arms like come live with me or was it a little bit so, I, like, that's a really good question. At the time, I was like, Dad, I want to come live with you. <laughs> like, all right, yeah. And, like, yeah. we did it. Like, we managed it somehow. But looking back on it as an adult, I'm like, oh, man, that poor fucking guy. You was probably <laughs> like, yeah, like, of course come live with me. <laughs> Fuck. Right, like, right. It was, like, when me and my dad lived together, just me and my dad, like, it was – like pretty fucking crusty yeah my dad was not like uh what should i cook for dinner tonight right so you you, were you pretty much fending for yourself or yeah so like immediately yeah and how Um, old were you at that time so i moved in with my dad when i was 13 Um, okay and then like interestingly enough i started my first band like that same year like there was no supervision. There was no nothing. And basically yeah. it was like, I took over like our garage. <laughs> like, all right, we're having band practice here. And yeah. I was like, well, I'm hardly here anyway. So fuck it. Go for right. it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, music that was already part of your life or were you like, I need to start a band. I'm picking up a guitar or whatever. No, it was already part of my life. It was like, it was something I was always drawn to. Yeah. You know, like, um, like my my mom has stories like me as a little kid like super little kid like one or two like jamming out to a song and like getting like a little toy guitar and like being obsessed with it whatever and then i didn't really get like a real guitar and start actually playing until i was like six or or so okay i'm like i didn't really get into the guitar until I was six I was like <laughs> yeah six is like really young it's pretty but, pretty young yeah but at that age that's when i started like really trying to like Play. like not use it as a toy yeah but, you know like m- like make it make sounds and stuff. yeah um and i kept playing i started playing at six i i think i learned like a couple chords when i was six or seven and then just kind of played by myself so one of the things about like our family's sort of um uh rootless existence like we moved around a lot like we mm-hmm. moved even even moving to florida it's like it's not like we moved to florida and stayed in one place it was like we moved out of our house in rumson and then we moved to florida and then we moved to another place and another place and another place so i was in like a different school like almost every year from yeah. grade like three to eight where it was like just a yeah. different school every year that's interesting but that being the case, like I didn't have a ton of, like I didn't have like a core of friends. So mm-hmm. I had a lot of time alone. And yeah. I would come home from school and I would play guitar for, you know, six hours, whatever, yeah. until dinner. So I'd get yeah. home from three, play guitar until like seven. Right. Was, and then I'd play guitar until I fell asleep or whatever. So yeah. I was just constantly playing guitar as a little kid and I got really good at it. So we started that band in New Jersey 
um, in like eighth grade or whatever. I guess I was like 13. That must have felt so good. Yeah, it was amazing. And like, and you'd play with people and be like, oh, these guys are pretty good. These guys aren't that good. Yeah. <laughs> but I got lucky like really early where I got hooked up with a drummer when I was 13 who was like not the same story as me, but just someone who was like, is like super young, just got really into playing drums and like always stuck with playing drums. Right, right. So we started a band. The band was called Mother Mania. And like, you know, we started that when we were 13 and he was really good I was really good we had yeah. a bass player who was like good and could keep up and stuff and then like it like all this stuff happened so fast that by 16 we were signed to a major label and wow. I was dropping out of high school to go on tour and Get out. like record a record and do all this stuff so all that shit happened like so fast where we so were just fast. like yeah let's play punk songs in my garage yeah. And then it's like, oh, this is getting really good. We recorded a demo, demo. And then someone locally was like, yeah, I'll give you guys like a thousand bucks to record like an EP. Yeah. For that. And then we had like a big story in the Asbury Park Press about like teenage band is, you know, making good. Like something, right. Like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And someone who had just started, someone who was from New Jersey that had moved out to LA, like, read the article and was like, we're starting this label. It was drive through records. Get and out. Like, we want you guys to be like one of our first signings on, on drive through records. Get the fuck out. And we were like, yeah. So we did that <laughs> and recorded a record. And then, um, I left high school after my junior year, um, mm-hmm. and went on tour. And so, yeah, like that was all really cool. It was like 16. I turned 17 on the road. We were out, um, like we did a leg with Blink-182. We played with uh, Lesson Jake. We did a bunch of shows with Lesson Jake. Um, RX Bandits. Oh, oh, you're killing me. Well, they were, like our, they were like our, like, they were our home. Like RX right. Bandits. They were like, all right, we'll come stay in Seal Beach because you guys have nowhere to go. So we stayed at Matt's parents' No, house. No, you didn't. Yeah. No, you didn't. For like we <laughs> fucking love that Actually, man. I have a really good story. I don't know if I should tell that. That is my favorite band. All right. So here's a okay. funny story that I'm going to tell okay. on the podcast. Because it's true. <laughs> and I don't know if Matt's going to get pissed off me or not. Oh, no. But we were staying with them in Seal Beach, and Mother Man had just put our record out, and we were hanging out with our expanders all the time they were like our, our great friends so and wait you, side note though what i know you're saying like punk was it like influenced by what would you say your music was kind of influenced by at the time um so uh at that time we were like like you fit right in there with that like I mean, like, we were kind we were of like poppy at that point when we were with them, we had actually like stopped having any ska in our songs. But you did at one point have at like a point, horn. We'd have, we'd have like ska breakdowns where there was like. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. At that point, cool. we kind of like rearranged them. And yeah, we like, that happened at that point all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was 1998. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were like, all right, well. I mean, you guys got to, like to go. Section. You gotta go. <laughs> so let's just like kind of take it a different direction. But anyway, yeah. so here's, here's, here's tell here's, me, please. 
so we were touring and we had all of these songs and we had like a new record written. Um, so I'm with Matt and we were driving. There was actually, there was a Kentucky Fried Chicken in Long Beach that also sold weed. So <laughs> that Matt, sold weed? That sold that- weed. So Matt was driving. I was in the passenger seat. It was just he and I. And um, we'd already been hanging out for like a month. So we're like going to buy weed at this Kentucky Fried Chicken. And I was like, so he's like, I, I love the songs that you guys are playing. Like the shit is so good. I'm like, yeah, like we have pretty much a record written. And yeah. I think I was like, I have a name for the record. And he was like, sick, what is it? I was like, we're going to call the next Mother Mania record Progress. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's sick. Get the fuck out of here right now. Did that. And, no. And then Mother Mania broke up. We never, like, we tracked, like, a couple of tunes, but we never recorded the record. And then I remember, like, a couple years later, our expandents came out with a record called Progress. And I was like, no. Get like there, it wasn't stolen because we didn't use it. Right, I know, but that's so, still. And that, I'm, not, I'm not mad about it. That is crazy, though. But I was like, "This is the name of the next Mother Mania record," and he was like, "Yeah." Name, and then they came up with the record of the name, and I was like, "Oh, all right, well." Whoa. Whatever. I know. Whoa. And I was like, I was even hesitating telling this story on the podcast because I've only told this story to a couple people and never definitely never recorded it and yeah. then no way accusing anybody of of anything. of anything at the same time though, i was like oh yeah that was gonna be our record and yeah. then sadly brandon our my best friend and drummer passed away on tour oh was like all right so there's no shot at like my god like you guys were out on tour so he was playing in another band like we had come back to yeah. Jersey and he was playing. He got like he was insanely talented. Like he's one This is the drummer. You're yeah, just, I'd say he's yeah. one of the two best drummers I've ever played with my entire yeah. life. Like he might be the best drummer I've ever played with my entire yeah. life. Yeah. It's, it's not apples to apples. But anyway, so he ended up playing with Leftover Crack, which is like mm-hmm. a pretty well known punk band. So he yeah. got scooped up into Leftover Crack. He was on tour with Leftover Crack and he passed away in Houston. Um, oh and like it was tough that was a tough one wow um yeah so there's no like mother mania reunion wow going to happen we were really good though i'll like i'll send you like a spotify i i, I well so it's on spotify yeah it's on spotify i was gonna say i need to like see lyrics and stuff i want to hear this i mean yeah you can like see the lyrics but mm-hmm. also don't judge too hard. <laughs> I was literally like 15, 16 years listen, old. Listen, listen, I've been with Taylor who was in New Direction for a hundred years and I've, I've seen it all. Well, so some of the lyrics are very like, you know, a- amateurish and mm-hmm. adolescent. That's so, all right. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I can't wait to listen to that. I, I, I'm very excited. Um, so Brandon, my my God, how did he pass away, Brandon? He aspirated on his vomit, so he was mm. like drunk and passed out on his back and vomited in his sleep and aspirated on it. Wow, wow! Did he um, have family like in the area? Like what happened at that time? Well, I actually like I pretty much lived at his family's house uh. from ages like. 13 to right. 
16, 17 or whatever. Right. So it was just me and my dad. My dad was away a lot. Like he was. Like, and he was your best friend. And so the reason that Mother Mania, I think, got so good is that Brandon and I would play every day. Mm-hmm. So like we we got to the point where like we weren't even counting off songs like like bands would play a song and be like one two three four and then start playing like Brandon and I didn't even do that like we would just like be standing there and be like all right and then just start playing yeah. a song in time at the same time like I it's ha- I've not had like a musical connection like that with anybody ever again where yeah. it was just very. Um, reactive instinctive whatever you want to say Mm -hmm. where we both just knew exactly what the other one wanted to do like we had we shared a mind in like a musical sense and also like a sense of humor sense where Mm -hmm. it was just like you know yeah so that connection kind of happened right from the jump and then you just started to kind of grow as as one musically and yeah and then we grew apart musically which was like you know Brandon was way more into like harder punk stuff, like crust punk, gutter punk, mm-hmm. more hardcore. And as I was like writing, like we, so we were a pop punk band. Right. So he was going more punk and I was going more pop. I think it's right. like probably the easiest way to like distill it. Or yeah. Yeah. Um, so I started writing songs that were like, you know, the drum beat was a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. It was like a little hookier, et cetera. And he ended up playing with Leftover Crack, and I ended up trying and doing, like, my own thing. Yeah. yeah. Did you see him, like, struggling with being on tour, like, when you guys had gone on tour and, like, partying and stuff? Or no, he, was ne- he never struggled on tour. Like, the only thing Brandon struggled with is, like, he had, like, severe social anxiety, and he mm-hmm. would, like, drink a lot, do drugs a lot, which I, I did, too. Yeah, so, yeah. like, you know... Um, but like, yeah, no, he, I don't think he really had an issue being on tour. I think he was like really comfortable, like behind a drum set on tour in the studio, whatever. Whenever he was playing music, he was very comfortable. I think whenever he wasn't playing music, he wasn't very comfortable and would like self-medicate. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, I don't know. I think that some people um, do that their whole lives and are lucky. Yeah, exactly. And, and some people, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes aren't. Yeah, and, um, yeah. You know, it was really sad. It was really traumatic. Uh, for so you were family. a part at the time when you found out. Yeah, it was, it was like a very, very traumatic moment for me. Yeah, I can only imagine. That's your best friend. Your family, really. Very close. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, your sisters, all the while, like all this is happening, your sisters were still in Florida? Yes. Did you kind of have communication with them and your mom a lot? Like, yeah. or did you really feel kind of like you were on your own for the most part? Well, I was. Um, I spoke to my sisters. Didn't have a ton of communication with my mom. Um, at some point, she ended up leaving the guy that she was married to and became mm-hmm. single again. And I had more communication with my mom and I would go down there and see her for like Christmas or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then my sisters was like, I don't know, at, at like basically at the point when I moved back with my dad, it was like, we're all adults now. So yeah. whether it's like, you know, you're 17, you're 15 and I'm 11, but <laughs> we're all adults now. Yeah. So we're yeah. in charge of maintaining this relationship. We're in charge of, in charge of you know, seeing mm-hmm. each other, et cetera. Um, yeah. But we did a pretty good job. Balancing it. 
Yeah. So yeah. like, it's, it's so weird. It's like, sometimes I'm super close with one sister. Sometimes I'm super close with another sister. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of mm-hmm. times it's geographic. A lot of times it's whatever, maybe you're just going through something that mm-hmm. is more aligned with one the of other. So your dad too, was he like back working in Wall Street? What was he up to all, all those years so my, that you were <laughs> exploring so my dad music? Was like financially and, ruined and um, mm-hmm. like, I don't really know. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I think my dad had like a Donald Trump thing going on where it was like, it was all like kind of fucked up and like, you know, so everything is going really good. So maybe you made like $200 million this year, but maybe mm-hmm. you owe like $202 million <laughs> because of, the, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Well, I, don't yeah. really know. I wish I had like a better answer for you. Mm-hmm. But all I know is that the shit hit the fan with my dad in the same way that the shit hit the fan with Donald Trump. But Donald Trump owed so much more money at that time <laughs> that it was like, well, if we default on this loan, like our whole bank is going to go down. But it came down on my dad a little bit. So basically, my dad like declared bankruptcy. Okay. Whatever. So wh- whoever he owed money to got paid, and then he was basically like, "All right, I'm starting from square one." Mm-hmm. But you really weren't seeing too much of any of that. You were busy like doing your own thing, kind of. You weren't seeing him like coming home with headaches and all that stuff. I mean, I didn't see him coming home. Like, no, or at all. Yeah. Like I'm saying, like, so we had these like big houses that we lived in in Rumson, but like, I don't really remember seeing my dad very much at all. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like he was like, all right, let let me show you how to throw a curveball. You know what I mean? Right. He wasn't present. Um, but so yeah, at some point he like, uh, the money was gone and, I moved with my mom to Florida and my dad kind of stayed behind Rumson. And then from that point on, he, um, I don't know, I like he used his personal network. He got some, like in someone to invest some money in a back race company. And then he started a back race company okay. um, like from scratch. And then that ended up doing pretty well and mm-hmm. he built it up over a number of years. And then he ended up selling that and retiring it. So, you know, okay. he's, he's a, he did his thing. Yeah, he's a skillful guy. Like he yeah. <laughs> got real big and then he got knocked off and then he like did his thing and he's okay. Yeah. So I, I respect that. About yeah, I mean, it definitely to be beat to the ground after, you know, having success, it's got to be hard to pull the pieces together and bring it back up again, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I can't imagine the depths of his psyche. All of that. that too. Like, yeah. like wow, I'm, I had, I'm, I was like a fucking gazillionaire at one point. Yeah. And then now I'm, I have like a one bedroom condo that yeah. I'm scraping by trying to get because my wife and whole family are gone and have all of my is gone and I got jack shit. Yeah. yeah. I know, it's pretty wild. I will say this though, and I'll give him credit for that. It's like, you know, he grew up pretty poor. He wasn't from like a family of means. He was from like mm-hmm. a poor family in, in uh, mm-hmm. Queens and did what he did. Like I said, I'm, I'm still curious about the merits of it, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of think they're just throwing a million bucks at dudes that showed up at Wall Street. Um, yeah. But anyway, you know, and I feel like this too, because like I was a little kid, I was a little kid, but I got to be like nine years old experiencing all of that. And it's like, all right, so you know what it's like to have like a bunch of money 
and then also you know what it's like to like be really broke like Mm -hmm. not just kind of broke but legit like okay scrape and buy and it has to last us from monday to fucking thursday right how are we doing this exactly like that kind of broke and it's interesting to have experienced both of those things and to have the knowledge of those because it's like Mm-hmm. I don't know. It kind of gives you like a little bit of um, like courage or whatever. Yeah. And you perspective. So it's, like, it's like, I'm going to go for this because what's the worst that could happen? Right. Lose everything. I've already lost everything. Already did. Yeah. So, like, I know that we're still going to figure out a way to eat. So somehow it comes it. together. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like, you know, let's just, we'll fucking bet it all on this and let's go for it because yeah what happened is that we don't have anything but we've had nothing before so fucking right right yeah. right um, it's interesting how how that can happen and 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 some people like that have money just will never they never experience that right yeah um you know god bless them too i guess <laughs> god bless them but it, it like it's kind of strange to just be like yeah, the worst thing that can happen is that I'm really broke and I've been really broke before. So right, it. so fuck it, and yeah. maybe that's what makes it work out. You know, you go balls to the wall, and something will pan out. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. Like, you know, the worst is like never as bad as you imagine it could be. Yeah, that's true. Anticipation of it. <laughs> There's always further that you can fall. Exactly, Jeff. So, so that's we, my message to you, kid. <laughs> if you think it's rock bottom now, it can always get worse. It can always get worse. And it's true. It really is. It's very true. So even in those moments of like, why the f- is this happening? You know, like why? It's still, there's so much to be grateful for and you just have to hang on to it. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Cause yeah. it can, <laughs> it's always around the corner. The worst is around the corner. You don't I know. Get, I mean, I get bent out of shape all the time about like stuff that's going on and like, you know, it's not been like a great year for anybody. I think No. at the same time though, I'm like, man, how much it's like, but how lucky am I? Yeah. To, you know, have like a, a wife that mm-hmm. loves me. And, um, you know, I got, I have a kid on the way. Yeah. And, um, it's know. major. I, it is. And it's like, it's yeah, major, majorly gone, good. Uh, yeah, for sure. Things it is. Up and down, but overall, it's, um, I'm extremely, uh, satisfied before. Yeah. So I can't wait to get to all that, but you, so you were doing music, you're, you're, um, it kind of ended abruptly for you um, with your friend passing. And then what kind of happened after that for you? So I continued to play music. Um, you know, that that obviously ended abruptly. But um, so this is kind of weird. And like looking back on it from with like more perspective. Mm-hmm. So in Mother Mania, I played guitar and I sang. It was like the songwriter. And Brandon, my best friend, was the drummer. Mm-hmm. And then, like, after that happened, I don't know. I, I feel like I had a lot of anxiety. Like, we still had sure. a record contract. And it was like, 
okay, so what's the next record going to be like or whatever? And I had yeah. excited about that. And I kind of just bailed on the whole thing. And was okay. like, all right, so I'm not fulfilling my commitment to drive through records for these three records. Um, yeah. You know, sue, you can sue us if you want to, but Brandon's <laughs> dead. So, and, the, and so they were cool. Go fuck yourself really, if you're like, going to. They're like, just whatever. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, we're keeping this first record, but everything else. I was like, all right, cool. So like, yeah. that was cool of them. Um, but then like, you know, strangely, the next band that I joined, I didn't want anything to do with writing or singing. And I was the drum, and I ended up being the drummer. So I was the drummer of Low Flying Jets. Wow. Um, after that for five years or whatever. And Low Flying so Jets. So had you just like fucked around on the drums before or you were like a drummer already? Um, I feel like I was a drummer. Already. You were a drummer. Yeah. yeah. I had like, I have like, um, from when I was little, I had like a, like gift of like, you know, I could pick up an instrument and learn it really quickly. So I was lucky in that sense. So word around like the street. A, I, I have heard that about you, that you're musically inclined. You have- yeah. So it was like, it, I was just lucky in that sense. So yeah. I picked up a guitar, I learned how to play it pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then like I sat in front of a piano, it just like made sense to me, I learned how to play piano and then playing drums, same thing. So, yeah. and, so and like, it's kind of always been like that. So I pick up an instrument and it's like mystifying for a minute. And then after a little bit, like tinkering around with it, it's like, oh, I get it. And um, so playing drums came naturally to me. I like playing drums. Um, as I got older, I still like playing drums, but I hate carrying drums. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't really want to be a drummer anymore. I don't want to play this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I played drums in Low Fine Jets. Uh, that band was really good. We had really good songwriters. And mm-hmm. then Brian Leopold and Brad York were tremendous songwriters. And that was really fun. Um, we didn't achieve the, the same level of success that Mother Mania did, but we still we still did pretty good. Like, we got yeah. a deal. Um, we had like a good reputation around New York city and it was a cool time in New York city too. Cause like, um, you know, 2001, 2002, 2003, like we were playing indie rock. So like, you know, okay. like we would like hang out with the strokes and yeah. like, you know, Karen O would be at our show and like all these cool, like there was a yeah. lot going on in Manhattan yeah. like, Lower East Side, and in Brooklyn at that time. And that's where we were playing. So it was like, you know, obviously we didn't achieve the kind of success that those bands did, but still it was cool to be like part of the scene or whatever. Definitely. And, uh, like Kings of Leon, we got to be like really good friends with them. Oh, cool. And their manager, particularly their manager for me. But um, like, yeah, it was like just kind of fun. It was like, all right, this is like a, a whole scene happening. And like, and kind of like a, a reboot for you. Yeah. So, and, so, right, exactly. And I was playing drums and like, you know, I don't know. I, can critique it and kind of like chop it up a little bit. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, maybe it was like a cop out for me just like hiding behind a drum set instead of like getting out and writing songs again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do you know. think you kind of subconsciously went that path because it was, I think that I was still afraid. so fresh, everything that happened with Brandon. And so I think I was afraid to like try to follow up with mother mania because the first record like people liked so much and i was and yeah. like listening back to it it's, it's not like fucking pet sounds or anything but still it <laughs> yeah. was like yeah maybe I, if i try to do it again it won't have the same success and then two yeah i think that i just like 
admired and idolized and missed Brandon so much that I was like, if I can be a competent drummer, like, you know, maybe I can be in the same class as him. As a yeah. Person, so. Yeah. I could see that. So you were kind of in that scene for a while then? Yeah. So Lil Fine Jets played for, I don't know. Yeah. Like five years, I guess. So we started in 2002 or we probably done in 2006. So four years. And then I was in Sycamore Rooney. And then basically like I set up a recording studio in Asbury Park. And at that point I was more interested in like producing people. So okay. um, I did a lot of demos with like Nicole Atkins. So her early demos cool. um, before her first record, Neptune City. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I demoed, uh, you know, a bunch of bands. I worked with- Were like, you on, like, did you actually do the music too then? Or were yeah. you just producing? So, um, so producing is music, is playing music. Okay. As far as, so as far as I'm concerned, it's like. It should be. Yeah. If I, if I'm producing, if I'm producing a solo artist, it's like, I usually end up playing every instrument aside from whatever the solo artist's instrument is. So if, you know, he or she is a pianist, then Mm -hmm. they'll play piano and I'll play drums. Everything. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so that was like kind of how I was doing it. Or if I That's was really cool. band, then it was like, okay, so, you know, you need to accept me as like the extra member of this band, mm-hmm. you know? So it would be like, if it was a four piece band, then like, just think of me as like your second guitarist, because mm-hmm. if I have an idea, you know, I don't want you guys to be like resistant about it. Right. You know, I want you to trust me musically. So that yeah. was, like, that was the big thing for me. Like it's, I'm part of this. Like if I was going to produce a band, it was like, well, let's hang out. Let's get drunk and mm-hmm. let's talk about music and let's like, you know, become friends. Understand each other. And then the next time that we hang out or go into the studio, there's like no barrier. Right. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. if I'm like, hey, I know that you always play a telly, but like play a fucking Les Paul on this and try it. And instead of being like, well, let me tell you at that point, they're like, yeah, all right. Yeah. Fuck it. Let's try it. <laughs> or whatever. It's like, yeah. A yeah. Example. But so, yeah, I like, I ended up producing an Asbury and um, worked with some like really cool artists that did great stuff from Asbury and went on um, until I couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> You're done. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, so here's the deal. Like when you demo stuff for people, like especially back then, it was like, all right, well, I'm going to demo this. And then when you, you know, get your deal, you will bring me on as a producer on like at least a couple tracks or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you do it. So sometimes you would do it on spec. Sometimes you'd have them pay you. And then sometimes you would do it on like a speculative contract and say, all right, well, I'll record you for free right now. And then when you get the deal, you know, I'll get paid or I'll get work or whatever. Right. So you quickly learn that, you know, working on spec means you can spec not to get paid. (laughs) (laughs) So I did that a couple of times. Right. So I got, you know, I got paid a couple times too. Like, look, I had a couple years where I wasn't doing anything but recording people and that was fun. So yeah, I have no you, you got what you needed out of it. But then like once, once a, a point hit, you were like, okay, 
Right. I got what I needed out of it, but I had also <laughs> hoped to be like, oh, I'm producing a whole album for. Right. Whole- that was the goal that all that effort that you were putting in, right, you exactly. know, you wanted it to get to that place. So and that wanted- never really jumped off, but. Right. Know. Right. Um, but you made a ton of awesome music. It yeah, sounds yeah. like, which is I, awesome. I, I, you played with some cool people and got to be creative and all of that. And then so I went you, to law school. And then you went to law school. So when the, the studio. So you, I guess you got your GED. Oh, right. So at I left, some point along the way, you got your GED. So I, didn't, <laughs> I, got, like, I got an actual high school diploma. So oh, okay. I, I thought you dropped out. I did. Oh, you did. did. Okay. But they gave me an opportunity. So there's something called Macon, which is like the Monmouth County Adult Education Center. Okay. So that that's like rings a bell for some reason. I yeah, don't know. They were like, well, you can do this like course load of work and it'll be like a senior year and we'll give you, you'll actually get like a high school diploma from Ocean Township High School. It's not a right. it's the same thing. And okay. So this is right after I left. So I left, we went on tour and it was like the end of junior year in the summers. But when I came back in September, so I had to do that, but they gave me the course load and it was like, okay, so for the entire year of history, you have to write three, three page essays. <laughs> and I was like, sick. So I was done with my entire senior year of high school by like Thanksgiving. So oh my, my. That were the same age. We're still in school until the end of the year. I was like, yo, I already graduated. You're so. like, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, exactly. They're like, <laughs> right. I was like, you thought, <laughs> who's the stupid one now? <laughs> so yeah, obviously I got a high school diploma. Okay. Uh, and then you, you went to law school? No, it's a law school, yeah. Where did you go? Rutgers in Newark. Okay. Did you um, end up living out there or? No, I lived in Asbury. Lived, and just commuted. Okay. You I commuted. Take the train every morning. And all the while, were you still doing music? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, so pretty much. <clears throat> Are we good? Yeah, we're good. Okay, I had a little freeze up on my end. Um, so all the while, yeah, I was doing music. So at that time, um, I was... Uh, recording someone named Angelia. She was mm-hmm. like a pop artist or whatever. And I got uh-huh. hired to produce her record. And so I was doing a lot of Angelia stuff. We actually ended up dating. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I want to hear this music too. Like uh, what kind of music is this? So this was like really pop. This is very, oh. so this is a straight up we're like pop singer. Busting out like moves. Yeah. Oh. Like for real. Like <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, it was insane. okay. All so, right. Um, so what? Ha- so what? Ha- that is interesting. I mean, I I expect that of you because it sounds to me like you can just you you know your instruments. You can navigate through any sort of type of music, right? I assume. I think that the important thing is like knowing a good song and like knowing what a song wants and not what an artist wants, like. Mm-hmm. You know, when you hear someone writing a song, it's like, <clears throat> okay, that's cool. A lot of times an artist will like make it or um, for lack of a better term, like, like jerk off, like, <laughs> like, like sing all over the place and make it like, you know, crazy, like trills and runs and stuff like that. And it's like, no, what the song wants is like something really simple because you have a good chorus. So just sing it simply. Right. And then you gotta, you gotta grab it and pull it in at the end. You can kind of go nuts, but 
you know, make it so that people can sing along to it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's what people really want in a pop song is something to yeah. sing along to. So if you make it very technically difficult, you're automatically eliminating a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. So <clears throat> for me, it doesn't matter. Like, it could be a punk rock song. It could be a metal song. It could be a pop song, a reggae song, whatever. Like, you get to the heart of what the song is, and then the song starts to tell you, like, what it wants and how it yeah. wants to or whatever. So yeah. I think that in my life and in my career, my skill has been like identifying, you know, what's good about the song and how to make the song really shine. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so that's me just kind of patting myself on the back. <laughs> As you uh, should. But that, but that, that was like my skill. So when she came with like pop songs and stuff, I was like, yeah, I could absolutely do this. Mm-hmm. So she heard me, I had produced a song by Phoebe Ryan, um, who's another like, you know, pop artist. Pop, she's yeah. Um, she's also great. And I think everyone should check her out. She's done great. She's also another, she's like a kind of a big deal. She tours with like Tovo and stuff like that. Awesome. And when I recorded her, she was a kid. So I've got nothing to do with that. But one of those talents where you know, you work with them and you're like, wow, you're really fucking talented. Yeah. So she heard a song that I recorded for Phoebe Ryan, um, Angelia. And then okay. she, I would like you to record, you know, a couple songs. And then mm-hmm. she got signed and they were like, yeah, we want to do a whole album. And awesome. And then I started dating. And then, <laughs> and then you snuck in there and you're like, the charm just, it wasn't, it wasn't about the music anymore. The charm just took over i don't know it (laughs) happened really fast but i will say this is like she listened to me when i was like coaching her vocally on some things where i was like yeah like let's try it this way let's try it that way and then once we started dating i was like yeah let's try it this way and she was like well that's just how i sing so i don't know why you're telling me to do it differently (laughs) oh no here we go (laughs) Um, but she was great and she was like super talented too and it was really fun doing that. It was such like a different experience for me because, you know, like Nicole Atkins is still like, she's very soulful. Mm-hmm. She's very indie. Yeah. Um, even Phoebe is like, you know, more on like the indie side. And this was like a step out for me that was so poppy and so different than anything that I wanted to do. Like we're talking like some of the songs are like fucking Michael Jackson level poppy. Yeah. So different. Um but that had to be kind of like fun. It was. Yeah. It was. It was like cool to get out of it and um, push you know, yourself a little bit. Yeah, she was happy with how it came out. We dated for a little while. Um, I moved to the Netherlands and she came out there for a little bit. I was like outside of Amsterdam for. Oh, like, cool. So, um, and she came out to visit me, and then sadly, this past January, she passed away. Oh like, no! Yeah, I know. Oh, those fucking things, Jeff. I mean, we we had been broken up for a while, but we were still, you know, pretty good friends. Friends, yeah. Yeah, it's like. Oh, I'm so sorry. She was like really sweet person and uh, really great voice, and um, you know, again, one of those things where she's got on like the wrong path, and yeah, happens quick. Ugh. So you, um, I'm just thinking like musically, you, you seem to be kind of like natural ability. Does it get 
kind of boring because it's natural in a sense? Like when you're creating music, is it just like, it's almost, uh, I, it made me think of it because I was thinking like you doing a pop record might push yourself a little bit more. Like does the rest of it get kind of boring sometimes when you're on the producing end because it's just so easy to you or not really? No, definitely no. not. Okay. I mean, so the only time it gets boring is if like it's a bad song or, <laughs> yeah. um, or, or um, if, it, if you have to do too many like fixes technically or something. Right. I won't even go down that path. But no, it's like you get excited by a good song. And yeah. It, even songs that sound like a song that you've heard a million times, like you can have a song and be like, yo, this sounds exactly like you know, I want to be your dog by the Stooges or something. It sounds exactly like this. It's a rip <laughs> yeah. off of that song. But if there's a, like an interesting way that they're doing it or an interesting lyric or something, it's like, no, this is really fun. Like everything about this is fun. So no, never get bored playing. Never music. get bored. I really yeah. don't. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter the instrument that I'm playing. Really don't get bored. There's always something something exciting about it, something creative about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and if there isn't something that is jumping out as super creative to me, then I feel like it's my mandate to like do something creative and make and make it like you know. Yeah, and I guess that's like as the producer you're able to kind of do that. Yeah. A producer even like if someone just asked me to sit in and like play keys or Mm-hmm. whatever it is it's you know like what what's something that is like i i use this word so much but i understand how much it sucks but i'm like you know do something that's like tasty <laughs> but doesn't like step on the song you know what i mean like so right you know you're i'm not trying to like poke out and be like oh yeah your song is really good let me just like <laughs> like something on top of it it's like, oh, the song is really good. Let me find something that just like complements it and just like elevates it mm-hmm. a little bit and doesn't step on it and doesn't right. like, ruin the vibe that you've created because you're the composer of it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That must be interesting taking other artists like words and, and, and music and kind of bringing it to life. Yeah. So again, it, it takes a lot of trust from the artist, like mm-hmm. if you're working with someone. And that's why like my thing has always been, you know, the first couple of times that we work together, like we don't even touch instruments. We don't even listen to yeah. the song. It's like, we listen to other music and like, usually like go out and mm-hmm. you know, have a couple drinks. If you don't drink, we'll do whatever. Right. Uh, but develop so you build connections exactly where it's first and foremost yeah trust me like when when we talk about it and we Mm -hmm. reach like an understanding like emotionally then we can talk about your song and yeah anything that makes perfect sense nothing needs to be changed maybe you need a whole fucking bridge yeah realize it Mm -hmm. but if I tell that to you in the first 20 minutes we meet, you're going to be like, no, this is my song. This is my baby. I'm not going to mm-hmm. cut it in half. Yeah. Um, but after we've gained that trust and it's like, listen, this needs a bridge and I think it should go this direction. Then you're like, all right, well, let's hear what it sounds like. And we do it. And, you, and sometimes it doesn't sound good. And it's like, right. oh, good idea. Fuck it. But, but sometimes it's not good. And it's like, wow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then you high five and then it's like, all right, we're good. Yeah. (laughs) 
So while you were dating her, were you going to law school then? Yeah. Wow. So we were tracking the record. I had like a, this amazing setup. I had a house on Third Avenue on the corner mm-hmm. of Third and Pine in Asbury Park. And I had like my recording equipment and my Pro Tools rig and my piano up in my bedroom. Awesome. Um, but I had a snake, like a, a like cables going downstairs. So I had my drum kit and like bass amps and guitar amps downstairs mm-hmm. in the living room. Oh, so that's it was awesome. Like, and everything was just wired all the time. Yeah, so yeah. It was like a fully functioning recording studio as well as like my house. So I recorded her during that time. I recorded mm-hmm. the Gay Blades during that time. I cool. recorded, um, you know, me and Brad, we did some Sycamore stuff there. We did, we had a band called Atlantic Atlantic that was around for like okay. a little bit. Okay, yeah. That was like, you know, the band was only around for a little bit of time, but it's fucking amazing. Like those recordings yeah. are so good. I don't think they're on Spotify. I should put them up or, or try to talk Brad into doing it. <laughs> but it was like one of the, it was one of those things where I was like, I have these recordings. We recorded like seven songs and they're so fucking good. Were um, you guys playing around like Asbury right? at the time? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. We played, we played a bunch in like Brooklyn, Manhattan. Um, we definitely played at the lanes. Um, at that point, I think Brad was still. What, like, was O'Toole's around yet or not yet? What's O'Toole's? Do you remember O'Toole's? Is that like where Anchor's Ben was? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we never played there. I played there. I think I, yeah. I, I played there acoustic. I, I played there acoustic the night before I was taking my LSATs to like get into law school or whatever. Because <laughs> I remember being like, I should really get some sleep. But... You were a champion. Did you pass the first time? Yeah. God I bless mean, you. <laughs> I didn't do as well as I thought I was going to do on the LSS, to be honest. Well, you were out playing the night before yeah, <laughs> at O'Toole's. Billy O'Brien was there? Oh. oh, boy. Oh, God. Yeah, that's that's a night to remember, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so you were playing around. So around. Playing around yeah. I was playing around, I was recording Angelia, um, recording some other people too, and going to law school. And then I graduated law school. So what what spiked the the law school for you? Were you just like, I I need something else? Kind of what what happened there? All right. So there's two stories. There's like kind of a superficial bullshit story. And probably the real <laughs> that story. you tell people? Yeah. So I'll give you both. <laughs> Like I had a thing where I was recording an artist and I kind of got fucked over and, and mm-hmm. um, this artist brought like a lawyer in to say like, well, you actually shouldn't get paid for all the work you did because of a, and I remember being like, man, I should not get fucked like this. And thinking to myself, like, I'm smart enough to like <coughs> do, like, this. do this. Yeah. I get fucked over again. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go to law school. <laughs> so I took the LSAT and I applied to law school but That's incredible. Reality, what really happened was like, you know, I have like a tenuous relationship with my dad. I really admire him. Mm-hmm. Um, and like never anything about playing music has ever really impressed him. Like even getting signed as like a teenager to a major label and like getting flown around and like playing crazy shows and stuff like that. Never really did it. I think I was like just constantly on a quest. I think I'm still on a quest to like get my dad's approval okay. and appreciation. And I think going to law school was like an attempt to do that. Cause I, okay. I've always heard him talk about how like, you know, well, this guy was a lawyer and blah, blah, blah. And he met yeah. my stepmom's a lawyer. He married a lawyer. 
Okay. Um, and I think I was like, well, I'll be a lawyer and then my dad will love me or whatever. <laughs> Jeff. What? We're so was really he, personal, right? Yes, I, I I appreciate you sharing that with me. <laughs> I want to I I I don't want to step on your dad's toes cuz you have you do admire him and you love him, but I I could I could give him a little for just for for that feeling, you know, like I just want to wring his neck just a little bit. Right. Just, well, just consider, for a minute. Consider that you're hearing, <laughs> like consider the source. So you're only hearing it from one side. <laughs> Right? I know. I this know. Is my, this is my perception. I know, my but you're with me right now and also, and you're you're the heart that's in my heart right now and yeah. So, so 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 you wanted his approval. Yeah. And and that's okay. I mean, I think we all search for some approval. Um side just a quick side note musically like what now I know that your dad was not musical i assume because he had no interest in that and was your mom or is she she? i actually have a really good story about that though okay because um so my dad for some reason my dad's best friend is this guy named gary u.s bonds and (laughs) i don't know if you've ever heard of him but no but all right so he's like a really really famous rock legend okay like the 50s and 60s okay he's like a little richard type like he's like a black oh. dude he was you know he had like huge hits in i can't wait to look him up yeah gary u.s bonds and gary u.s bonds is big around here locally because okay. it's one of bruce's idols too like bruce springsteen is like love gary u.s bonds like he played on a couple gary u.s yeah bonds record, like whatever so this is my dad's best friend somehow just for a long time they've been best friends like they're just he's been around forever same kind of spot in long island or whatever okay gotcha yeah for whatever reason for the past like 30 years 20 years my dad and gary u.s bonds are like fucking best friends (laughs) so i'm like i'm going through all this shit in the music industry as a teenager or whatever and like gary bonds is always there it's just kind of like fuck yeah jeff like do your thing yeah okay and then um like, I remember being older, I went out golfing with my dad and Gary U.S. Bonds, and I ended up in a cart with Gary, and, like, we're driving around and shit like that, and my dad had just, like, fucking, like, gutted me about something. Yeah. Because I was always, like, so it was the first Low Flying Jets demo, or maybe not the first one, but it's, like, one of the first two Low Flying Jets demos, and uh, I gave it to my dad. I was, like, yeah, you know, check it out. This is the band I'm in, blah, blah. So I saw him, I was like, what do you think? And he was like, you want the truth? I was like, yeah, of course I want the truth. And he was like, unlistenable. And I was like, okay, fuck. And like, you know, that really hurt my feelings. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, so I'm in the golf cart with Gary U.S. Bonds. <laughs> like, yeah, hey, man, like, how's the music going? I was like, good, whatever. I don't know. I'm kind of pissed off. And he's like, why? What's going on? I was like, I just played my dad, my fucking, you know, our last like LP. And uh, he fucking called it unlistenable. And Gary Bonds looked at me and was like, why the fuck you listen to your dad about music? <laughs> your dad doesn't know jack shit about music, man. He's like, I've heard your shit. Your shit's good. And yeah. Thank you, Gary U.S. Bonds. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. But it was like, it was one of those moments for me where, like, I didn't need Gary Bonds to tell me that my dad doesn't know shit about music. Like, I already knew that, but I still needed someone to just kind of, like, smack me and be yeah. like, 
why are you listening to him don't with musical opinions he doesn't fucking know shit you know right. like you've been playing music right. your whole life jeff like your dad doesn't know anything about music so yeah yeah yes so that was a that was a big moment for me yeah and 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 i'm so happy gary gave you that feedback yeah me too but pops should have you know, led with the fact that he didn't know shit about music. But I don't think he thinks that. No. I think like, you know, someone like my dad and maybe someone like myself to a large extent too, doesn't realize that they're ignorant to something if they're ignorant to it. Right. I I guess that. I a lot of times have an opinion on stuff and then like, I need to like step back and my inner Gary Bonds is like, Jeff, you don't know jack shit about this, so why are you even talking about it? It's like, hmm, good point, inner Gary. Right. Well, well, the difference is admitting it, I think. I think, you know, our, our generation, people who start to open up, think, process emotions a little bit, we start to understand that a little. You know, we I mean, start that's... to understand our flaws, whereas prior to, it's just like, this is just who I am. And, and you know, th- there's no thought process to it. Right. Or at the same time, oh, this is just who my dad is with no yeah. thought process. Instead of being like, this is the result of traumas that happened to my dad when mm-hmm. he was younger. And like, this right, is why right. he feels this way. And right. has a sense that he needs to control everything or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's what growth is, right? So we're all, I guess we're lucky that like, you know, we're from a generation that appreciates, you know, therapy and speak and talking through emotions. Right. And like that. Right. As like, you know, my dad's generation didn't do anything like that. So, I am what I am. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, a little self-reflection. It's good. It is. This it's has been good. very therapeutic. How much do I owe you? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I get just as much out of conversation as as hopefully the guests. You know? Um, I, am I taking up too much time? Because we haven't even gotten to the brewery yet. I know. We're going on. We're go- We're going to move on. Okay. Let's move on. So Do these get edited? Do you edit these down? <laughs> I don't I don't usually know. All right, so. Is that okay? It's fine with me. Okay. <laughs> um so okay, so law school happens, you make you go to O Tools, you take the test. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You right. fucking pass. So Maybe that's law school. Good, not as not a you don't exceed, you know, the the standards you thought you would uh you would reach on the test but you passed yeah no the lsats i didn't do as well as i thought i would do on the lsats but i did crush law school i did really well in law school. yeah and i love that you you probably thought you were gonna ace that sucker even though you were out all night the night before i did a, th- a thousand percent i didn't study for it or anything i was like <laughs> i'm gonna go out and party i'm gonna go in cold because every test i'd taken before that was kind of like that like, yeah good for this. you but i was surprised yeah, I was like, you better wow. appreciate that was that it, you better appreciate that that it that it comes naturally yeah no a lot I of people have to work did. hard at that i know and the bar exam so you like retain you just retain it you were in class you retained it all it was easy yeah yeah, yeah. so you yeah. passed and then what went on from there so i went to law school i didn't i did not quite fit in at law school 
Um, but I excelled at it. Did you make any friends there? Yeah, I made some friends. Yeah. Oh, man, this is like another sad story. No. I made friends with this dude. Uh, no. His name is Jeff Eloy, who's like this Haitian kid. No. And uh, like super nice guy. He would, um, I didn't realize this as it was happening. Like he kept making me like mixtapes and like mix CDs and stuff. And, because um, he knew you were like into music and yeah, producing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. He was like, "Oh, you're a musician." Like, <laughs> I stuck out like a fucking sore thumb. Yeah. Like there was one day that I went to school and I was dressed in like an outfit that I would wear on Asbury Park all the time, and I went in and I had the same outfit on as this woman who was <laughs> in my class as well. I mean, girl, she was like 22 or 23 right. or something. But like, you know, I always wear. I have these like corduroy short shorts. These like. Oh, like turquoise corduroy short shorts. I wear all the time in the summer. So I just had like a. Are they still? You still have these? Oh yeah. Oh, I I've I've met. uh, You know, I I don't go out much, so I didn't see. Obviously not, because if you did, you would see the short shorts. Oh, okay. Very popular. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so I I went to law school, and it was like you know kind of hot day, but I had like my corduroy short shorts on, like a black V neck and an iced coffee. I walked in, and my friend Kate was wearing the fucking. She looked normal in it, like same thing. You know, cute girl wearing outfit. But it was just weird that I had the same thing on. So we've got like a couple pictures or whatever. My friend Jeff took the picture. But um, so like really cool guy, like really into music. I think he was in the Navy. So he was like going to law school for free. But um, like Haitian dude, he was from Newark. And uh, we got to be really good friends in law school. And then like he hanged himself. And I was no. Like, oh, Jeff, I was like, why? It's How did so you find that out? His so a friend of mine found out because his family was like mm. he got sick and died, like he had. Right. So so here so here's what I think happened. In hindsight, I realized that all of these mixtapes were like very thematic, so they yeah. were very like homo erotic, not uh, not even erotic, but they, it was like all the art. It was all gay artists, so yeah. it was all this stuff, and like all of them were kind of about like a you know. A cru- like a crush thing or whatever mm-hmm. so i was like ah maybe check out like a crush a little bit i didn't even realize it because i'm too stupid or whatever <laughs> but these were amazing mixtapes and i was right. like I, and i would listen to them non-stop i was like this is fucking like introducing me to bands that i never heard of and stuff yeah. that i've never heard before this is so fucking cool and then like someone else pointed out it's like you know all these artists are like like openly gay artists like all these it's like right. it's a gay mixtape do you know that? And I was like, no, I had no idea. So like nothing ever happens between he and I, but I think like, because his family was like very strict, like Haitian, mm-hmm. like Catholic, whatever. I think he was like struggling with that. And yeah. Then, uh, and then I think his family was really weird about when he passed away too, because they wouldn't come out and say like, you know, he committed suicide. They were like, Oh, he like, you know, he he was having a medical issue and then he passed away. And I was like, what medical issue? He's holy wow. as fuck. And then my friend was like, no, no, no they found him and he hanged himself. That's um, so a friend of yours from school, I guess. Yeah, like my fucking, like, I don't know. I have really cool recordings that he sent me to. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. like my, like, that was like my law school BFF. Was, that sucked. And I almost feel like that's like to not, um acknowledge how he passed i just feel like is 
it's just so much worse. And that's like, I mean, I understand uh, for, for the family how hard that must be. I mean, I, I can only imagine at least, but I don't know to not just like express what that is. I, I, I feel like the person is kind of in a, in a way making a statement and this is how it happened. I don't know. I don't know if I would hide that. Yeah. I but mean, everybody does things differently. So, and that's like kind of the point too. I mean, I think maybe what he did was like an act of defiance against yeah. how his family felt about, you know, homosexuality, about mm-hmm. mental illness, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, everyone kind of carries this like, you know, backpack full of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, That's we don't know sure. about, we can't relate to and mm-hmm. everything. So I didn't, I actually didn't go to any of his services or anything. Um, just I knew like what the deal was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I spoke to his sister and I spoke to some other people. I was like, you know, I'll honor him in my own way. But yeah. I, don't, I don't need to go there to like a pretend thing and be like, oh, he got very sick and died. It's like, all right, well, yeah. now we know what happened. So what the fuck? Right. Uh, anyway. So... So that pain happened, and then you you had graduated during that time. Yeah, so I so that was right at graduation. Right at graduation. Yeah. Oh. Um, so I graduated law school, um, got a job. I'm not gonna talk about that. And then <laughs> left that job, and then like hung my own shingle and had like a solo practice. Um, based out of Belmar and was doing like, I mean, I would do like some, uh, entertainment stuff, but down here it was like, you know, do like a no money contract for a band and they'd be like, yeah, we'll like take you out to dinner. So (laughs) like, it wasn't, yeah. So then I started doing like municipal work, um, like DUIs and stuff and like contracts and, um, commercial transactions. Then I got to do, uh, a a liquor license transfer Mm -hmm. and I got to do another one and I got like pretty well acquainted with like the ABC and and the laws about that. And um, I had had this idea for an Asbury Park brewery, like almost 10 years before that. So maybe like eight years before that, 2007. Yeah. And uh, I was like, there should be like an Asbury Park brewery. There's a Brooklyn brewery like fuck it yeah so i registered the name asbury park brewery i bought like the website url i bought um you know just like that kind of stuff and that was like kind of well ahead that was in 2007 yeah um and then i was not able to open a brewery then obviously Mm -hmm. but i kind of like just kept that shit in my back pocket yeah so in 2014 the laws changed in New Jersey. It made it a lot easier to open a brewery. And I was like, let me like dust off the business plan and see what's up with this and like kind of reworked it and, you know, with the new laws and everything and, mm-hmm. and what we wanted to do. So I had Asbury Park Brewery as like a concept a business plan or whatever. And I shopped it to some people that I knew from around town and through the music industry mm-hmm. until eventually getting to like a guy that was like, pretty big in the music industry that had a lot of money he was from New Jersey, huge beer guy, um, cool. really, really cool person. And was, and he was like the main investor in it. Um, his name's Bob McClin. Okay. He, um, owns a company called crush management, but 
right now they manage uh, like Green Day, Weezer, Fall Out Boy, Panic at the Disco, Lord, Sia. Wow. wow. Train, who else? Like really big people. Butch Walker, I know, is on there. I feel like I'm leaving out like a really big one, but whatever. So he's That's like, nice, yeah, he's like a, like, really, really major. Yeah. He's like big dick in the music industry, <laughs> but also super down to earth, really cool guy from New Jersey, loves Asbury Park, loves beer. So yeah. when my like investor deck got to his desk, he was like, yeah, I want to meet this guy. Like I'm really interested in it. And then we talked for like a couple weeks and it was like, bang, all right, let's go. And um, cool. so that's how we got the brewery open. So was it also other investors? There's a couple, like, um, but at that point it was like. Like he's your main investor. So financially, like we didn't need anybody else to get involved, Mm -hmm. but there's like, you know, there's a term called smart money. So it's not just someone who shows up and is like, I have cash. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, this is someone that we want to let in and we'll take their cash but they're bringing something more than cash to the table. So like we have an investor that owns like a merchandising company that does like band merch. So tour merch. So Mm -hmm. all of our merchandise compared to other breweries, I feel like, and I think it's true is like, you know, way above and beyond. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, our t-shirts are. The quality of the product is. Like when you buy one of our t-shirts, it becomes your favorite t-shirt because it's so like comfortable Mm -hmm. and you know uh, and a lot of the stuff that we do is like really on trend so Mm -hmm. you know we'll have like cool like tie-dye colors because it's like this is going to be really popular this summer people are Mm going to love this and then like i don't know i so like that's an investor who's that makes total sense yeah you know what i mean it's like there's a bunch of there's a bunch of people that have cash that would want to get invested in a company that is a cool idea Mm -hmm. and looks like it might be successful so you get to choose who you let in or if you let anybody in based on what else they bring yeah right right that makes perfect sense so the merchandising guy was a good one Mm -hmm. we had someone who's like uh like a financial forecasting like genius that came off of like a trading floor I was like, all right, well, we can let this person in because they're providing like, you know, spreadsheets. Quality information. Like I can never do, you know, like I feel like I'm smart at some things, but when it comes to shit like that, it's like, I don't have like a mathematical background at all. So a lot Mm -hmm. of this stuff makes no sense to me. Yeah. But I'm like, here, here's a funny Twitter that I could post. You know what I mean? Like right, that right, kind right. of shit I'm good at. Yeah. Or like, just like general, like direction of the brand. Like, okay, so let's make it more punk or make it less punk or whatever. Yeah. Like that kind of shit. I have like a, a sense of what people like around here. Um, mm-hmm. But you bring people in that um, complement your weaknesses. Yeah, definitely. You're, um, so you had the idea to do the brewery, like, years prior in that development like did ideas kind of change or were you like i'm doing this brewery um were you kind of teetering at all yeah i mean i completely forgot about it for multiple years yeah like when i was going to law school and shit i wasn't in law school like i'm going to law school but really i want to open a brewery i was like no i'm yeah i'm gonna stick with this job that i got while i was in law school that ended up not working out 
um, but then after the fact, like some things happened and things moved around and it was like, oh wait, brewery. Like, yeah, I remember being like super involved in this. Yeah. And also I was like, yeah, I bought a, you know, fucking like GoDaddy thing for five years. Let me see. <laughs> yeah. Like shit like that. So, um, so once it got rolling, did it happen fast? Once the money came in. Mm-hmm. It did not happen fast. No, okay. No, it was tough. I mean, it yeah. was like, you know, there was a, there was multiple factors. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, things happen slowly. And Asbury Park had not had a brewery before. Yeah. Um, and there was another one opening up. Mm-hmm. And the city just kind of like, the city didn't know what it didn't know about breweries. So they were very reluctant to like give us permits for certain things because yeah. they were just like, we just like help us understand what you're actually doing because we think of a brewery and we think of like the Anheuser brewery by the Newark airport and shit. And they're like, that's definitely not happening on main street, you know? Right. Right. So it was like, it was tough, but you know, um, I think, I think we got into the building in like May, maybe a little earlier, like March, 2015. And we opened August, 2016. So it took us like a year and like almost yeah. a year and a half to actually build it out and get open. Yeah. Um, which was frustrating because it could have gone quicker. Yeah. But whatever. So, I mean, upon opening, I mean, I just, I remember so much talk about you guys like right away. How was that for you on your end when you really first exciting. opened? Yeah. It was really exciting. Like we had an idea of how quickly it would grow and it grew so much quicker. Yeah. So much faster than any of us had even like even if we had like secret wildest dreams or whatever mm-hmm. like it still exceeded them it was just like good for we you opened guys. and immediately we couldn't make enough beer and then we expanded and immediately after that we couldn't make enough beer yeah then we expanded again we couldn't make enough beer and it was just yeah. like everybody loves the blonde everybody loves the sea dragon <laughs> yeah. like this, so these good. are very very popular products this is a yeah. very popular brand and honestly our whole like my main stressors are just growing. Like, how do we make more? How do we make more? Because it feels like as much as we can make, we can sell it like quickly. Yeah. That's um, wonderful. Yeah. Congratulations. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. But it's still stressful as fuck when like you can't make enough because then yeah. people get pissed off and it's like, you know, the, like I get calls all the time. It's like, Hey man, your distributor says that they're out of stock on this. Like what's going on? And I'm like, like don't yeah. know what to tell you. I'm like, I'm getting them as much as I can. As I'm trying. I know. Uh, but that that's bad though, because you know, most people are very cool about it, especially with like COVID and everything this past year. Everyone's been mm-hmm. like, look, we get it, everyone's kind of going through some shit. But at the same time, there's some people that are like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I keep ordering your beer and they keep saying it's out of stock, so I'm just gonna get something else. I'm like, right. Oh, no, please don't do that. Um but yeah, I mean, that's been our biggest issue is. So uh, is that like a, a matter of like trying to stay on top of how much you need coming in or? No, it's like a capacity issue. Capacity. So like, yeah. so the, the problem with beer is that it takes like three weeks to make. Yeah. So you brew it in one day, but then it's got to sit in a tank for three weeks. Right. Like if I was making like hard seltzer or something like that, it's like I could turn it over overnight. Right. So if my distributor was like, yo, we sold all this shit out. We need another 2,000 cases. I could be like, 
cool. I got you. Yeah. You know, yeah. Tell me on Wednesday. I'll have it on Friday. Yeah. But with beer, it's like, all right, well, you know, tell me now and I'll get it to you middle of next month. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah. that's the difficulty with it. Um, so, you know, we hit capacity in our space in Asbury Park, and then we partnered with a, uh, a larger brewery that can do bigger batches a little further out west. Um, so that's how we've like handled that uh, issue with supply where it's like, okay, so we have to make it somewhere else. Because right. We, we do not have the capacity to make all this beer in Asbury. Do you think that you guys have like the vision of kind of moving along and opening another one or? So the vision that I have now, and I'm probably going to announce sometime in like the next like week or so, like, I think that we're going to like shrink down our footprint in Asbury park Mm -hmm. and maybe put it somewhere more um, commercial. Yeah. More like tourists. Yeah. And then move more of our production out West to, so everything that you would get at like a liquor store will most likely not come from Asbury Park. It would be out west. But we'll have a more central location in like downtown Asbury Park where you can come experience the tasting room and beers awesome. that we're brewing on site there on like a smaller system. Yeah. So I think that's what the future of Asbury Park looks Asbury Park Brewery looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Um it just makes more sense like that. Definitely. Uh, rather than us growing in Asbury Park, because real estate is at such like a prime there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also own the building. So there's like different opportunities that we could explore with the real estate. Mm-hmm. But I think for having people on premise and enjoying the beer, we've got to get out of like the alleyway, the dead end that we're in. Yeah. Because I love having punk shows there and I love getting the people that we get there. But at the same time, there's so much money that walks down Cookman Avenue to the boardwalk that we miss mm-hmm. out on just because we're in like a dead end behind Family Dollar and La Tapatia. Yeah. 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 And the park, like different variables. Yeah. Parking is a pain in the ass. Like, I mean, it's just not that nice over there. I'll be honest with you. Right. I'm probably <laughs> more candid than I should be on this podcast, but I'm like, yeah, I mean, sometimes I only have three it's followers. Like, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, but sometimes you go down there and it's like a bunch of bums like hanging out in the alley. And yeah. like, listen, I they don't bother me. I like yeah. them. I know them all. And like, yeah. whatever. But I'm looking at like the people that are coming from like Spring Lake for a night out in Asbury Park. Like, I want them to come down and like buy sweatshirts mm-hmm. and like, oh, my son's going to college. Let me get one for him and one for yeah. me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just go in and be like, yeah, I'm going to spend like 180 bucks on merch and shit. Like, I want those people to come in the fucking brewery. Sure. Because we need the money. Like, right. we need it. To run it, to to live off of it, to just, yeah, enjoy for, it. Yeah. For Asbury Park Brewery to exist, like, people have to like spend money on it. Right. And like, we do, <laughs> That's we part do of good it. in the distribution and shit like that. But I can't you know, face my investors and be like, listen, we're leaving a lot of money on the table because we're in this like grimy alley. So I think we've got an opportunity um, and a space that is going to be really cool. It'll be a place for people in Asbury Park to come and try like new beers that we brew. It'll give us an opportunity to try some different beers since we're not so stressed about producing enough Blonde and Sea Dragon for the entire state. Um, 
and it'll be a nice place where people can like hang out and not really feel like you're in like a dungeon because <laughs> I love our tasting room. Yeah. At the same time though, it's like, you know, a window is nice. Yeah. 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 At least one window. One. It is, it is an awesome dungeon is it though. Is snowing? Is the sun up? Is it nighttime? Right. You have no idea when you're hanging out in Asbury Park Brewery. Yeah. That's the Asbury Park Brewery promise. <laughs> it's like a casino. It's like a casino, right? <laughs> My dog is getting antsy. Oh, doggy, I'm sorry. No, 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 we're good. <laughs> so, so the brewery is moving moving on into who knows, who knows what the possibilities are there. And you have a, a beautiful wife. I do. And, and and a baby on the way. It's true. It's true. When is when when is the baby coming? When is she due? So in keeping with the theme of this podcast, I'm gonna yeah. be totally candid with you. <laughs> my wife has been in the hospital since Monday. Oh uh, my yeah. So I, I so I took some time out to do this podcast and also to do some laundry and stuff like that. She's uh so she's got high blood pressure because okay. of uh because of the baby. So okay. right now the tension is between like um team my wife Jesse and team baby, the doctors. Right. And team baby is like um we'll leave the baby in there for as long as we possibly can. And yeah. Jesse is like, well, her blood pressure is too high. We should deliver right now. Wow. Um, so essentially we're using medication to regulate her blood pressure. Okay. And she's being monitored in the hospital. So ideally she's in there for the next like three weeks until okay. it's like safe to deliver the baby. Okay. Um, but the baby could come at any time if that plan doesn't work out so we're optimistic that best case scenario she's living at the hospital for the next three weeks and we have weeks. like a christmas baby okay and, uh, and then our son iggy will uh iggy. yeah will be here oh. like right around christmas okay uh, and will not require any stay in the NICU or anything like that um but we don't really know so uh we're kind of just Open, You're going with whatever but right now yeah. she's very comfortable her blood pressure is really good and um, that's wonderful yeah so i was with her today i came home do the podcast I'm gonna take care of the dog do some laundry some of these dishes are backing up i gotta water my poinsettias <laughs> and then uh i'll be back over at the hospital tomorrow morning but yeah it's like this is sort of like a uh like weird sort of up in the air time um but we're in great hands. We've got great doctors. And uh, where is she at, Mammoth? She's at Mammoth, yeah. Mammoth. So That's we're good. in like really high spirits about it. And uh, you know, she's such a wonderful person. She was like, no, she's like, go do the podcast. I also I have my uh, first pilot's license training thing on Sunday. What the like, fuck? Go. Yeah, I want to get my pilot's license. She was like, go. She's like, go. You've been wanting to do this. I'm like, no, I'll hang out with you on Sunday. She's like, just go to the fucking thing, go fly the plane, and then come here after whatever. So she's really supportive and very nice, very nice woman. What a wonderful woman. She really is. Does she have family around? It's yeah. Uh, so there's family there, like helping her out too. Or well, no, because right COVID, now COVID. No, yeah, we can't. No, like, I'm, can, I'm you can go there. I can go there, but I'm pretty That's much it. the only guest that she's Okay, allowed. I see. 
um, which is, you know, which I don't mind because I'm like, yeah, I'll just come in here and, you know, this is it's my room too. Right, um, right, But right. obviously her family is, you know, really Itching upset, to be with out. her, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I want to get in there. So I'm yeah. selfish. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> you guys can't come. Blah, blah. But um, I, 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 my sense is that we're figuring something out and that her family's going to get to visit because we cannot keep them the fuck out. Like, yeah, they're... Her parents want to be in there. Yeah, I'm sure their family. baby is in there. and Exactly. Well, know. interesting. Uh, no, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, but I'm just saying it. But Jesse. <laughs> My wife was also a preemie at Monmouth. Get out. So she was born at 33 weeks at Monmouth. Wow. Uh, um, so she's, so she should know more about this, but honestly, <laughs> she doesn't remember any of it. But no, she's like, uh, so it's like kind of coming full circle or whatever. Where, Whoa. Uh, so she was a preemie there and now we're having a preemie there. And, yeah. Uh, it's just how, so how far along is she? She's 32 weeks today. Okay. So my, like, my two my two beautiful twin nephews were born at 26 weeks. So I've spoken to a number of people that are like, yeah. "Listen, 32 <laughs> weeks, I wouldn't sweat it." And I, and I feel bad too because I'm like, you know, listen, we we just got we got a lot of information in a very short period of time, and um, I was like a little overwhelmed at one point. I bet. And yeah. Like reached out to a few people, and I was like, I know that you had like like you kind of went through this like you know tell me about it and they're like yeah like you know uh she was 24 weeks and blah 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 like how how far along is jesse and i was like oh like 32 and they're like oh fuck you man like you know how you know what i would have given me through i'm like oh yeah that, that's no, i get it i get it I get in it. the I'm circumstance sorry. but it's all so relevant really, exactly. it's all relevant so, in the grand scheme of things, like, I think that we're already in, like, pretty good shape. Yes. Um, but I just, I want to, like, cook a little longer. I of course to, you do. Yeah. You're but his father, and, and and she wants it, and I, I just, and it's so nice to hear that her blood pressure is lower now. She's yeah. good. So, it's, it, we can manage it by meds. Yeah. And if she's in the hospital, we're managing it. It's mm-hmm. like, all right, well, let's leave him in there until yeah. he's like a chonky baby <laughs> that wants to come out. And, yeah. You know, you just so, got to bring her some, you, you got to get her, uh, uh, the coloring book Taylor got me. It's like a Keanu Reeves. It's like the fine print coloring books. I brought her a Nintendo. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> She likes it. She loves that, I'm sure. Like, <laughs> She's a good woman. Nintendo, like, yeah. Yeah, no, um, I know. Iggy. Food. Just bring in good food. Yeah, Iggy. Some good her. food. Yeah, not hospital food. Nobody wants that. Ignatius James, that's his name. Ignatius oh. James, Is James after someone or? My father's name. Okay. I'm still, I'm still, I love me. <laughs> <laughs> James. Yeah, it's a cool name. name. That's a good one. It's a perfect name. Yeah, that's my middle name also. Okay. Yeah. So it's uh, let's you go with that. Let's go with that. Called? It's your middle name. It's my middle name. Yeah. It's but your middle name. That my you're dad's middle him. name is Royal. His name is James Royal Plate. Whoa! Right. That's quite a name. That will send you on a journey. Boy. That's unforgettable. <laughs> that name. That is a name. A name and a half. Man. 
Jeff, thank you so much for coming on My and talking with me. Now, I, I definitely, I keep talking about it. I, I love the idea of having chapter twos. I, we, we only touched a little on this life. I feel like <laughs> I, I need more one of these days. I got some I, stories. I got some stories that I fucking left out. Yeah, sure. I, yeah, I need them all. all right. Um, but I'm gonna play a quick word association game with you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Before you leave me, um, we're gonna fast forward through your feelings, okay. your your emotions, and I'm gonna say a word, and you tell me. Or, or a feeling, and you tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Um, hero. Dave Grohl. Yes. <laughs> he, he's not my hero. I just thought of the song. <laughs> oh. Well, he's, he's apparently one of mine. I fucking love Dave Grohl. I'm sorry. All right. Um, challenge. Body. I don't know why. <laughs> Beer. Drink. <laughs> fun. I'm like thirsty. Uh, fun <laughs> board. I'm thinking of a fun shape. Like there you go. Tradition. Turkey. Weird. Not weird. I guess pa- not Penguin. Courtney Atkins. <laughs> Said, uh, She's like a friend of mine when I was younger, but she had a pillowcase that said Penguin Dreamer on it. And uh, yeah, it was for Penguin Dreamer. Yeah, it was like a funny, like it was like a, you know, this was, I don't know, eighth grade or something. Love it. Cartoon penguins. Fear. Fear. Stephen Baldwin? I don't know why. (laughs) I'm sorry. I feel like I'm doing bad at this. Sports. I, I heard you are a Met fan. I am a huge Mets fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I do feel like I'm failing this test right now. You're a little sleepy. And uh, the with the news you just delivered me right before this, I can only imagine you got to go. I know, but sports, okay. action. I, I have to do better than this. Guilty pleasure. Impractical jokers. <laughs> I saw I had COVID earlier this month also. Did? Yeah. Oh my and it only gets more. Oh my god. <laughs> but I feel like before COVID, I was like impractical jokers. Yeah, this was pretty funny. During COVID, <clears throat> I was like, these men are my family and they have nursed me at their teeth. And now I'm going to be fine because of impractical jokes. Well, we share the same thing, only I didn't have COVID. It happened to me six years ago when I had my first daughter, Ruby. Late really? night, late night hours, they came to me and they they helped me survive At first those I was late like, nights. Yeah, these guys are pretty funny. And then I was like, this is the funniest shit I've ever <laughs> seen in my entire life. Like I was pissing myself. Like dying laughing, watching Impractical Jokers. Love it. And I legit could watch it for like fucking five hours a day. I was like, okay, yeah, so fine. quick, so quick, who is your favorite character? I'm just curious. All right. So, first of all, I have a friend who looks so much like Murr that <laughs> it's like, like, and acts like too. It's yeah. It's so weird. Like, they're the same person. It's wow. bizarre. Yeah. So that's like just. Right out of the gate. That's my favorite one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I like. I, they all serve a purpose. They really yeah, do. They're they, they're a great, do. great team. 
very complimentary <laughs> characters over there. I, it's, <laughs> I like Mer. Mer's my favorite. Fuck it. That's your man. Okay, trust. Fall. Fall. I don't know. I feel, I feel like you're dodging things is what's happening, Jeff. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, subconsciously. Art. <laughs> Basil. <laughs> it is art with um, some mozzarella and tomato. Um, well, and the thing in Miami, too. Art Basil, they did uh, over here. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yes. I know. It's too literal. I'm <laughs> fucking this up. I'm really sorry. Happiness. Warm gun. <laughs> Life. Taking forever. Proud. Ooh. Oh. I thought proud boys, but I don't want that to be my <laughs> answer. But that's the first thing that popped in my head. I despise them. Proud. Well, you should be proud of yourself, Jeff Plate. Oh, that's sweet of you to say. You're awesome. You lived a lot of life so far. Lot, lots of lots of things along the path and, of like Jeff you Plate. Said, we just scratched the surface. So. We just scratched the surface. We'll come back and do. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna two. we're gonna have to do another go around, man. I'm down. Yeah. Thank you for sharing with me. It I means a lot. Like and I overshared with you. Oh, I, I loved every bit of it and everyone else will. Um, where, where could everyone find you? Uh, at Monmouth Medical in the, uh, <laughs> in the antepartum uh, ward. I'll be yes. there most days. Yeah. Um, yeah, right now, check out asburyparkbrewery.com, Asbury Park Brewery on Instagram. Um, I don't really have a music project to promote right now, although there have been rumblings that our Hall & Oates tribute band is going to make another appearance oh. once, once people are allowed to congregate again. So That's amazing news. The willingness is there on the part of the musicians. It's me. I, um, I played Daryl Hall and then Pete from The Bouncing Souls. Uh, Sam Bay and Paul Ritchie from Parlor Mob and Gods and um, Sam Sherman who's like keyboardist extraordinaire that plays with too many bands to mention right now that is awesome that's our Hall & Oates band so check us out because we're definitely playing a show within the next year it'll be a a COVID free celebration yeah I mean ideally ideally better everyone there is going to have COVID (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen. I have Who no knows? Idea. I'm sure I'm not going to do an Instagram rant about it, though. I tell you mm. that much. <laughs> I believe sure in COVID. Shit. Wear a mask. Wear a fucking mask, you... Oh, I have a very low-quality camera. I just realized I haven't looked at myself this whole time. You haven't seen your nice view in the background? Well, I knew this was a Christmas You, you just checked that out, and then you, you looked away? Yeah. <laughs> This is a very cheap laptop that I'm using. But anyway, um, thank you so I'm much I'm thinking for of me. you, your wife, and Iggy. Okay, all my love. And uh, thanks again, Jeff. Anytime. All right. All right. Have a good night. I'll talk to you soon. You too. Happy Bye. holidays. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I'm leaving. All right. <laughs>